0: Hey guys and girls, welcome to the podcast. Today we got an exciting one for you. The guest today is J.B. Bethia. He's a former Hollywood actor. He's acted with the likes of Cuba Gooding Jr. Show me the money, show me the money. I can't do it too well, can I? And Ed Harris, remember The Abyss? That was an awesome film. Ed Harris has been in so many great films. The other one was the uh, the one they were showing recently. It was a remake, it's on Netflix with all the robots. Can't remember the name, but he plays the guy with the black hat, which is absolutely amazing. Um, used to have Yule Brenner in the original series. Oh, come back to me in a sec. Anyway, Ed Harris, The Abyss. What a fantastic film. You remember that was a Jim Cameron film. The guy who made Titanic, he made Avatar. Um, Westworld. That's the one he was in. Westworld. Ed Harris, amazing in Westworld. Uh, there was a great scene in The Abyss when. Mary Elizabeth Antonio. she's a girl. She's married to Ed Harris in the film. And there's a scene where she comes out of the pool and then she's drowning and Ed Harris has to keep pumping on her chest, rips her shirt off. She's like topless in this scene, which back in the 80s was kind of a little bit risque or when I think when it was made in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Anyway, apparently it was really stressful in that film for the actors and actresses. Neither of them I heard would ever work with James Cameron again. Uh, In that scene particularly, she stormed off, he made him do the take like again and again and again, freezing cold water, getting pumped on the chest by Ed Harris. Um, Ed Harris almost drowned in the film, and supposedly Jim Cameron also almost drowned in the film. They were filming in some kind of silo. Uh, What a great film, though. Amazing film, and kind of testament to the genius of Jim Cameron. Anyway, I digress. We've got a great podcast. We've got J.B. Bathia. You will, might also recognize him from the TV series Prison Break. Great show. These days, he's a life coach, motivational speaker, and public speaking coach. He helps startups. He helps entrepreneurs. He helps large businesses like WeWork and tech startups, fintech companies. He goes in there. He motivates the staff. He teaches them his some of his charisma and how to communicate with each other effectively. He helps fundraise for movies. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's an all-around great guy. He's, a, he's doing a lot of different things right now. He's kind of like a, he's like a Tony Robbins for the millennials generation, you know? Really interesting, starting out new with this, so I think you're going to hear more from him. He's, a key part of what he does is involves helping people get better at public speaking as a kind of starting point, and then he uses that confidence to pervade the rest of their lives and get, give them the confidence to get on and survive and thrive in the challenging world that we live in these days. He's German, he's Jewish, he's got some American in there as well, so he's got a lot of different things going on, which is great, really friendly, nice, charismatic guy. He's got a wealth of life experiences to draw from, and he's really helping people with that, which is amazing. I had a great chat to him about his his life, his acting, and how he got into this business that he's doing now. I hope you enjoy it. Please welcome JB Bathia. Live. I hope I'm not interrupting you too much there. I know you're, uh, you got a lot of people hitting you up from all over the world by the sounds of it. Yes. It's <laughs> that's like, awesome.
1: It's not, I mean, it's kind of, you know, I, I love it for sure. I love it for sure. But like, it just happened like today is just like, it just got like,
0: wait, wham, 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 wait.
1: But, you know. It's this, snowballing,
0: right? Maybe that's it. It's just snowballing. That's great. That's right. amazing.
1: Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, so messaging message and it was like, boom, boom, like, oh, uh, but I, lo- I, I love the global aspect of it, you know what I mean? I love the world, and I love all these things, but this lady reached out, and she's in Dubai, and then it was like, um, so then she's like, hey, fill this stuff out. So I said, hey, cool. So I started filling this thing out, you know, just so that other people could see a um, public speaker and a uh, motivational speaker type thing, and then that happened, and then um, this guy from Israel that I connected with, I actually filmed him not too long ago. He was like, hey, I'm, you know, he's trying to raise up $700,000, I said, like, cool. I helped somebody uh, just like two weeks ago with my film make make 100 $100,000 a day and then before a million in a day, so, so we could do that. So, um, yeah, I said, like, cool, let's do that. And then uh, he's like, okay, so it was just like, boom, and I was like, okay, but you know what, I got an interview, you know what I'm saying, we're doing a thing.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. Great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, look, I'm so happy to have you on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. And it sounds like you're, you know, you got some big deals that you're working on there. I, pre- I appreciate that we spoke the other night as well. I thought, oh my gosh, I've ruined it because I was out with customers. I'm a salesperson, actually. So I was out with customers. I'd had a couple beers. And then my wife was like, you shouldn't speak to JB. You had too many drinks because obviously I'm six hours ahead here. So five hours ahead. I was like, really? I wasn't that bad, was I? She's like, just next time, you know, wait till the next day. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, I had a lunch meeting and I had a few drinks and then went back to the office and then, and then my my uh, one of my colleagues, my, not my boss, but came and said, you know, the customer's out again this evening. We got a dinner. I was like, oh my word. So by the time I got back, then I, was, I hit you up and you're like, hey, let's talk now. So
1: I was like, right, right, right. So um, I, you know, I think that's the thing. You know, with, with all of the different stuff going on. I guess throughout my life, you know, it's just like instead of, you know, some people sort of schedule four date, four weeks out, two months out. And so, like, you know, depending on how sometimes it's how important they think they are. Sometimes they really are important. Sometimes yeah. it's all these things. So I started to say, like, now. Are you ready? Yeah. Now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's I was great.
1: Able to do
0: it, so. Well, that's perfect. Yeah, I think you, it totally makes sense. You know what? And um, you're you're prepared. Obviously, you don't have to get prepared. That's the amazing <clears> thing about what you do as a, as a public speaker. I mean, I guess the the you're you're also not far from D.C. Are you working with the politicians much or?
1: That's a great that's a great point because um, when it comes to the politicians, that's exactly, there's actually a friend of mine. He just was he just got something in office. What is it? You know, I don't like politics so much, but he was just some Congress or something they got. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, what?
0: Lobbying. Maybe you could work because that's another point where there's so much money in that. It's, I mean, that's kind of. Uh, a way that the U.S. political system is rigged, actually, because you've got the huge big pharma, big companies financing these lobbyists. And, I mean, there's so much money sloshing around there. I would have thought that would be a great resource for someone with your skills, your eloquency um, to kind of – that's exactly what they're doing all day, right? They're they're trying to yeah. persuade people.
1: That's that's a great point because um, what happened with me, you know, with, with my background of acting and directing and producing then. Realizing that as a director, I was just helping people get comfortable. So it's like, well, why not with public speaking and public speaking coaching? Because it's one of the top fears in the whole world. So it's like, wait a second, if I'm not terrified of that, and other tons of people are, this is a great connection. So then I I was running into a a mate of mine, and he was like, he is not pitching tech startup realm, and he said, listen, the whole startup realm is nothing but pitching all day, every single day. The lifeblood is that. So I said, okay, let me take a look at that. That's where that's where I started off, you know, with tech startup. So really, the focus was for sort of tech startups because I saw if I helped them with this, they make millions of dollars. So it's like, well, that's really cool. That's a good turnaround. And then I started with the podcast, focusing on that as well. But I didn't look, I didn't look in this this Things have just been trickling and opening up as I continue to do this. So then, you know, with that, then people start say, Hey, you're pretty, mo- you're you're very motivational. Uh, can you do motivational speaking? I was like, Yeah, you know. But it's just like that opened up so then people started to invite me to motivational speak and then somebody else says another few other clients are like, you know what? I need help with my mindset. Are you a mindset coach? I said, Yes I am. You know? So it was like some people said, Well you're a mindset coach, you're an alignment coach, you're a public speaking coach. So at the end of the day I sort of am doing the same thing. You know, um there's no there is a secret, I suppose, because I had to systemize it in order yes. to make sense of what it is that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um but I have I reached out to that, that one guy that is in politics and the thought I had when I reached out to him was there was something not good happening because um, you know I'm in Maryland right now. I just got back from Miami and I do, I do like New York, Philly, Maryland most often. Those are the three spots that I, that I do. And um, he he did this. I was wanting to talk with the mayor and the people that she was speaking with. And I was like, whoa, you know, I, would, I need to go in there and do some motivational stuff, and some public speaking in this particular area that's having big problems, you know what I mean? Because I, I, I'm certain I can go in there and really actually change at least this or this when I'm finished, you know? Uh, just because of the testimonials that we get when I'm finished speaking. So it's like, I know I can do it, so let me speak with her so I connect with him. And then I, I put that little angle in there, says, you know, all you're doing is needing to pitch and speak and what you're calling a lobby. I says, so if there's somebody that you know that's like not doing so well or is nervous or is terrified or is uncomfortable, um, then, then let me know. And then it, it seemed like he was like, wait a second. Oh, okay. So I, what you're saying is a good point. You know, when we get off, maybe I'll try to figure out hmm that, that angle to just jump in there. And
0: yeah. See, I, I mean, it's, it seems like, I mean, on the one hand, it's like you said at the beginning, you don't like politics and I can understand why, especially the lobbyist aspect of it. But if there is... You know they if anything they need more positive nice kind-hearted people like you to go in there and try to because they're like um what is it house of cards type people you know so uh to some extent i think these lobbyists you know they're basically house
1: of cards shooting here actually is that right
0: okay wow okay because yes. they're still going because they changed it now right because uh spacey's out so uh, no that's crazy.
1: that's crazy i don't i don't even know how i feel about that whole situation i can't believe that you know i don't know what he did or if he did what, oh. what he but i just heard um that he's out
0: yeah i think it's um i don't know the details so i'm not going to not going to go into that either but i know that um he actually put out on his own back he put out a youtube clip of him acting in character to defend his actions which i thought was kind of like um art Im- world imitating art or vice versa it was bizarre but so, yeah. so anyway you know what i think it makes sense that you have someone because we've had all the self help gurus that have gone before you, um, you know, the likes of Tony Robbins, Steve Covey, um, countless others. It's refreshing and interesting to see someone with your angle. And it's almost necessary to have a different take on it. Obviously, you've got your system, the PSP system, uh, which maybe you can just summarize how people can what that is and how people can get into that but i think it's cool as well that you do the public speaking as a kind of conduit to that um sense of uh self-worth to some extent because sure, it's all it's interrelated right. isn't it
1: yeah, yeah 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 very much is it very much is and that's uh, it's, it's in one sense it's like continually stumbling upon things that seem to be working it's like really quite quite stumbled, really, you know. <laughs> Because it, it wasn't. I was just on their posting, and again, it was the, um, the PSP system the an eight-week system, and the whole goal of it was to take somebody from where they are now to where they want to be. That was it, right? So there's eight weeks, eight steps to get them there, basically. And what I ended up, what ended up happening is there was a lot that I didn't realize I was doing, right? And that's what there's four different phases of going through this thing. The fourth one is unconscious competence. So that's why I don't, I don't. After all of these years, it's not like it just popped out like this, I suppose, but after all of these years, there is an unconscious competence, which means that if, some, if we start right now, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't have anything written. You know, when I go in public speak, someplace else, I don't have anything written. When we work called me up, I don't write it down. I, I just, I feel the room, and then I start going, and then I don't have to stop. Even when I record my content the podcasts, I just go at it, yeah? So the thing is, how do I get somebody from where they're uncomfortable or nervous or scared or <laughs> they don't even know what to say to the place where they can be? You know where I am. How do I get them there? So I had to start to deconstruct what it is that I do and actually come out of unconscious competence to conscious competence. Because otherwise, what's the what's the point? If somebody is like Einstein and they can do so many great things, but he can't teach it to someone else, it's it's pointless, you know. So
0: yeah, I hear you. And I mean, in terms of how, because obviously you you had that kind of intrinsic to you and in, in you, that's in your character. You've you've grown to be that have that charisma I guess it it comes down to can you teach charisma and obviously your system maybe can it sounds like it can do that I guess the next question for you would be how did you were you always like that or did is that I know you've got a pretty accomplished you know CV in terms of the different things that you did you were an actor in prison break um amongst uh, other uh, many other things so how do you think that informed your ability to be uh, you know, a motivational speaker and, and to have this charisma yeah or, were um, you just born, yeah. or maybe you were just born like that. <laughs>
1: right. right. Listen, I was talking with this other, this other lady and she said, oh, wow, public speaking. I took public speaking college, which most people have, especially in the States. And she said, what I learned at the end was that you're either born with it or you're not. And I was like, that's horrible to go through a semester pay hey, however much money you paid, and that's the thing you learned, like, you didn't learn how to do it, you learned that you just suck, and you're just toast,
0: well,
1: that's, <laughs> like, that's garbage, so the the one thing is that when I was, um, I guess it was eight years old, eight, nine years old, it was in California, ironically, and um, my family, we used to watch In Living Color, you know, I used uh, to
0: absolutely love that program, yeah. Right, right,
1: right. So after every, after it was showing, you know, I would go in and react, you know, all of the skits, you know, and make my family laugh and all of that. So to that extent, you can say, like, oh, right, so he's one of those performers, I think. But I am still, you know, I don't really like introvert, extrovert type of talk, if you like, and Myers-Briggs type of things. However, you know, I do get, you know, I get tremendous power from people when we're doing a public speaking thing. And it's like, even when I'm doing lives on Instagram, I lose my mind. Like, I'm very sincerely pumped and happy. Like, for real, for real. Like, like I got emotional telling my wife. And like, I was like, seeing it when I list off the countries. It's like the whole world, for real, It's like right there. You know, and it's like, this is crazy. This is happening. Yeah? So that, that does happen. But when that happened, when I was nine. I just saw and I knew one day I'm going to be on, on the telly. I knew one day I'm going to be there. And I didn't worry about it, didn't fuss about it. I just was like, Oh, okay, that's gonna happen. And I knew I wanted to direct. So I uh, you know, my degree is pre medical exercise physiology. So I love the body and I love figuring out like how it works, why it works, and that that was a big curious for me. And I did really well there. So in my sophomore year of it, uh, a friend told my mom my mom and then she told me that there's a film being cast um, you know, in the, in the area I was doing. And so I said, oh, well, I guess it's time to, you know, start to be on the television. So then I went out for the audition, and then I got it, and then I, there were several auditions in the, in, the, in the way of it. And it's a really cool, interesting story, you know, in and of itself. Um, but I ended up getting it, and then I did that film, and I got an agent, I theater, then I started doing theater, then I started doing... Well,
0: tell tomorrow. us the story if, if you have time, or if it, if it takes a... If, or you can... or next time, whatever. Yeah, yeah
1: it's, it's, it's not bad. So the... I, you know, to bring it back and then to go backwards and then bring it back forward again. Um, you know, now with this angle of this motivational speaking, I, I didn't like that for a while. I like Tony Robbins a lot. But I was like, I, the one thing I don't want to be, I don't want to be like Tony Robbins. That's what I was saying, you know. And then, and then I was kind of fighting it and running from it. And... I, you know, also there was this point where it was like, you know, everybody, this is from my father, I get this from my father, where he, he always told me that people are just people, right? So, you know, there's no such thing, not theoretically, there's no such thing as like a celebrity in this. So I don't get like, um whatever it's called when you get like wild about a celebrity, like that sort of thing. And then, so I don't have that. So, what for me, Star Trek. you know starstruck, there you go, right, so I don't, I don't get that, so then for me, when I was accomplishing these things, I was always like, yeah, it's what it is, you know, but, but we're all just people, right, so what I started to realize, though, especially as the value started to increase, and people started to want to offer me more to come in public speak, or more because of my background of, of acting in the television, I was thinking, what's going on, and there's this be- beautiful, not beautiful, it is beautiful if you can understand how to, work the angle. Grant Cardone was talking about this, and again, I just got back up from Miami, so he was there doing his 10X thing, and he said that people pay more, and he didn't say this there, I heard this in the book he was saying, people pay more for entertainment than they do for education, and in the past, I would be very bothered by that. And, like, well, that's not cool, and, you know, people need to know, you know, I would inside of myself, I don't like it on soapbox, but I would feel that way. And I was like, well, that's not really cool at all, because I I educate myself non-stop, you know what I mean? Like, I don't stop ever, especially about people and that sort of thing. Um, So, what I realized, though, was like, listen, if they're paying more for education, that explains why I was trying to say, no, here's the PSP system, and this is what you should pay for, because it's legit. And they're like, hey, no, you're just really cool, okay? We just had you come and talk, and for for a time, it was a, not. If, I didn't say it was offensive, but it was a little bit like hurtful. Like I was like, you know, no. Nah, but I really have something to say. I really, you know. But I started to realize this. You know, instead of taking it personal, it's not about me. It's about what can help. And if they think that and they'll bring me in to speak with however many people just because of that, great. Because at the end of the day, I get to speak to all of those people. At the end of the day, I get to actually change their lives or they can actually hear something for real. So, you know what? Great. If you like that, great. I'll come in on that boat and I'll deliver something that will absolutely change their lives. So what happened, you know, when it comes to the Star Struck thing, the side part of it is there are things that some of these people have gone through that I guess are meritorious, right? That are worth, that it's not just about them being famous. Famous because there possibly are difficulties and life struggles and mindsets that they had to get over. So that brings me to to this first experience, um, getting this film. I hadn't done any acting before, um, but I but I knew I was good. Whatever that confidence comes from, I think from my parents, you know, and my and my sister. I think I get that love and support from them for sure. And they said, "Go, you should go and do it." Now, at the time, I had a big afro, and I, they said it was based in the 70s. So I went down to this audition. And I'm 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 not tall, but like I'm six three, so like I'm not short. So that, that tall,
0: plus, yeah, six <laughs> three. <Yeah. 6'3". laughs> right.
1: So like that plus my average was like twelve inches, so I had a big physical presence.
0: Presence, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, right. So I walked in and um and I had I didn't have a full, yeah I didn't have like a goatee type. Well, probably like how you have a bit, kind how like how you have a bit, yeah. And so I walked in, and then there were, there were hundreds of people in there, and then the guy who was casting said, you know, if not just for your hair, I want you to come back for the second round. I said, okay, great. He says, but you look too old. I said, okay, cool. You know, I don't know how to, like, fix that, you know what I mean? But I said, great. So next I came back, and I don't do, I don't I shave anymore, but at the time I said, fine, so, and I shaved it all off, yeah. and I came back. And, um, this is the crazy, this is the crazy part. It deals with mindset. It deals with overcoming. This is insane. And this is, this is for real. And I get, you know, how this jumps together with, um, encouragement, but I was, it was a basketball role that I was kind of like going out for. And so I played ball in high school and, uh, I played ball recreationally as well. And I was just preparing for the role. I was preparing for the audition, you know, I was just getting my, just warming up if you like. And so... I played, and I was playing, and I went up for this layup, and I landed on my ankle on somebody else's ankle, and I twisted it very badly. And the thing is, as a ball player, you know, from high school, I've been playing, you know, for a long time—basketball, football, track—I did all that. I've sprained my ankle twenty-something times, like at least minimally twenty-two times, I think. That's a lot. So this is just okay. It's another sprain. This was the worst spray I had ever had in my entire life. And I hit I hit the ground, ankle like twisted and popped out.
0: This was part of the audition while you were auditioning.
1: No, this is before oh, the audition. I see.
0: okay, right right.
1: This is, and, and the cra- the worst part is it was one day before the second the audition the second thing. I made it through the first, I was going through to the second. So it was one day before the audition. And so I laid on my on my back and I looked up and I said, what? Because I knew the audition was shot. It was done. And I said, um, why? Like I was talking to God. You know what I mean? I was like, why like this? If you didn't want me to do this, God, universe, whatever, you could have just like gotten cut. Why? Why like this? Like this. Now, now this is like the worst thing. Like, why like this? And later, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. I'm telling you, this is the worst I've ever done. And it was just done. It was like just limp. And so, I was pretty. I was pretty like, you know, not in a good way for a bit. And um, the next day is the audition. So, you know, it's gonna be worse the next day. That swelling's gonna come in and just be crazy. So I woke up and I said to my father, I said, I'm going down anyways. I couldn't walk. How <laughs> are you going to do a basketball audition? But I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk at all.
0: And, did, the audition and that was, did you know the audition was going to include playing and moving around? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, that was like the main part of it, I think. The way they put it, you know, your look yeah. was one thing and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then moving about it, you could actually look like a ball player.
0: And just, sorry, just for the background, this was a big film, I'm guessing. This was like, a, you were starting in a, this was the first film really yeah. important to you. And I'm guessing it wasn't. Like a student at NYU, it was like a proper film kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what film it was. Yeah, saving that for the end, yeah. Okay, okay sorry. <laughs> the right. storytelling. I mean, keep you engaged. Yeah, like, yeah, one, yeah. Two,
0: <laughs> no, you got me. You got me. <laughs>
1: okay. So, so, uh, so we, I said, I'm going down, and my father says, okay. And he says, um, so I went down. Now, my degree, it, it, now I this is my sophomore year, but I do know about taping and doing this sort of thing. Yeah. And I, and this thing is just swollen. I literally couldn't walk. So, like, it was just toe-tapping in, you know. um, And so I went in there, and I went. I found this little nook where no one was, and I just started just wrapping up my, my ankle, wrapping up my foot, like and it just, I could not walk normally. And I said, I'm not. I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so then I wrapped it up, and almost the rest of the... um audition it didn't black out but it was like was flow it was happening so i went in and i had my number on my chest we were doing basketball drills and moves and i had I, at the same time i had, I'd never had a worse spray. i never played better i never played better than i played and I, don't, I i don't know i mean you could say it's adrenaline you could say the taping was good you could say whatever you want to say but all these people were getting cut because there were hundreds there so they were cut, and then I thought I was cut. At some point, I mean, even though I was one of the last few people, I was like, um, it wasn't so clear. So I said, I guess I didn't. Maybe I did look too old, and so guy made it coming again. So then we, we sat on a bench, and we were some of the last people there, I guess like 12 out of like several hundred, and it just wasn't clear. So I said, okay. And then me and my father, we left. And then, of course, when we left, you know, I, I couldn't walk again. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, so, so I so those world Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So then uh, I went into to class the next day about I remember biochemistry. I came out with a friend of mine named Wade, and I actually spoke with him a number a number of uh, weeks ago. And I got a phone call, and the phone call said, "We want you to come down for hair and makeup on Monday." Wow. And I was like, "What?" And it says you're going to be on the home team, the home team with Cuba Goodman Jr. So basically. Wow the film was called Radio. And I was a basketball player in a film called Radio with Cuba Gooding Jr., Ed Harris, and Alfred Woodard. And I was like, well, so you'll get some good, get some camera time and stuff like that. So I said, what? So then, it was like the Hollywood call, right, hair and makeup, like, well, you don't get to wear a Hollywood and come down for hair and makeup, you know, so, and it was making it through that, and from that point on, everything shifted, because now that I have this film, you know, it was a featured role, you know, so you'll see me there, or whatever, but and then I was able to audition even for, for SAG Lines, this other guy got the SAG Lines, I ended up getting SAG with Prison Break, but... Because of that, I was able to come back and say to a different agent that I had been trying to get that wasn't really paying me attention, they said, yeah, I'll represent you now. I said, okay, great. And then from there, he put me on some international commercials and auditions and that sort of thing. But it started really pushing through that spot where, like, hey, this just continues to happen in life whenever there's something really great right beforehand. And this is this is what happens, yeah? Like, something can really hit you to really say, you know what? The universe is saying no. You know what? God says no. You know what? answer is just no and if you don't listen to that no you push through that you can get some gigantic things can happen so that's what happened with that's how it started with me
0: wow incredible so um and that was one of the first films that you kind of went audition for was it I mean that's amazing. The- um, yeah, no, they're probably, they're actors listening to this being like, what, you, you think that was hard? <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. But, but obviously, you know, you obviously had the skill to catch them that first time. That shows that, that, that you had that, whatever it is, that star quality or that charisma, that the right. first time you went out, even with a almost broken leg by the sound of it, you managed to, to snag their attention.
1: Um, right, and then I was able to get in front of, you know, Mike Tollins, who's the director of that film, and then because of that, you know, I was able to talk with Cuba, and he was very kind, very nice. Wow. Um, so, you know, they will learn a lot really quickly.
0: Cool. Okay. And then you mentioned storytelling there and obviously you're, you're a great raconteur. Um, is that something you get involved with in terms of like Toastmasters or I don't know if you've heard of these, there are these different associations who do storytelling. Is that something that you get involved with much?
1: I don't, I don't. I've heard of Toastmasters for sure. I don't, I don't do that. Um, yeah, I just spoke with a guy who, who does some public speaking stuff as well. and He's really, really, really big into Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, the, for me, public speaking is um, it's not about public speaking. Yeah. So, and I think that's how I'm going to help people who are, you know, it, to me, here's how I define public speaking. Uh, it's emailing, text messages, phone calls. Meeting people in, in person, social media, video posts, interviews like you and I are doing right now, being on the radio, getting on stage, presenting in front of your office to five people, to one person, to ten people, or to a few thousand people. It's all public speaking because you all need – you have to communicate something that you haven't said if you hear or hear to somebody else in a way that they care.
0: Well, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really key point that you just made, actually, because I think um, – It goes without saying. Kids, people, everyone who's trying to do anything these days, they have to communicate in this social media backdrop. And people aren't never trained on it really. Like um, you know, they don't. There's not really anyone out there who's going to train you on how to communicate effectively through social social media. As far as I can, of course, there are people going to say, "Do this to get more likes. Do this to have your feeds get more recognition, etc." But in terms of the actual um, speaking aspect. You don't come across a lot of people who who say, actually, you know what? If you're going to do a podcast, or if you're going to do a audition online, or you're going to put a YouTube comedy act, this is how you need to do it. So that's that's kind of a, a real USP, as far as I can tell, for you. Maybe you're aware of other guys who are who are teaching that, but it, it's it's we kind of for perhaps um, get past how important that is these days and the fact that some of the old techniques for self-help or for communication maybe aren't focusing so much in that in that way So that's interesting Um, Are you um, in terms of? uh, Spirituality is that something that you get involved in much and is that something that maybe informs your your your? uh, Ability to communicate as well. Do you think
1: I'm I'm Jewish? Jewish. I mean most people don't Know that, but I'm I'm Jewish and so I'm observant religious, so I don't do like live podcasts on or livecasts on Saturdays, you know, because it Shabbat.
0: Oh yeah. wow, okay, you keep Shabbat and everything. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so you know that that affects it, but um, I, <clears throat> you know, that, I don't want to say like that's my culture. That's that's the religion and everything, but I love religion, but I but I also I love people. You know what I mean? So, like, I really care about people. I think religion is neat and cool and fascinating. And again, I keep culture, I keep Shabbat, I keep, you know, I keep the halacha, you know what I mean? I do all of that. But my real belief is that, you know, it's here to help us connect with each other. Mm -hmm. And it's here to help us do good for each other, with each other, you know, as opposed to, like, separating us. I really think it's whatever will bring us together is the goal. So, you know, When it comes to, you know, as an Orthodox person, is the typical Orthodox Jewish statement what I'm saying? No, Mm -hmm. you know, but it is what I believe it should be saying, Mm -hmm. you know, so like really, you know, even though I'm in in that, you know, in this religion, really, I feel like I'm the one that's governing it, you know, because I have a belief and then I use it as a tool to help you know, spread positivity.
0: Okay. So. Wow, cool. Okay, well, yeah, I think I, I think most people who see this are going to not immediately go, okay, he's um, Orthodox Jewish, but uh, right. no, that, that that's cool. And maybe that helps you as well. Definitely
1: yeah, pick up in here, you know, the long, curly things.
0: Ah, okay, <laughs> awesome. Okay.
1: Keep me tucked up.
0: Um, and the cool thing about, well, the interesting thing about Israel is how they work on Sundays, but they don't work on Fridays, do they? Friday is the Shabbat day, is that correct?
1: Right, Friday night, from sundown, you know, from sundown to sundown, so Friday night to Saturday night, no gotcha. order.
0: No okay, um, and you also obviously have the German side, so you're you've got like you're very multifaceted, <laughs> right? <I> mean- <laughs> it's
1: crazy. It's, it can be if you if you think about it a lot, or if you deal with like what I deal with, like it, it can be certainly crazy. But yeah, I'm German. I'm a German citizen, and uh, we only speak German in the home. Wow. Um, okay. And so. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm German, you know, my father's American, and so we're American military, so I understand that, you know, independence, but I'm also bad, but then I'm Jewish as well, but then I look different things. Sometimes Some people think I look mixed or Brazilian or Puerto Rican sometimes or Spanish, you know what I mean, or Arab, but a lot of people think I'm Muslim, so.
0: Cool, but that, that can only help you, right? You can reach out, and especially when you've got your personality, you can touch, you can have a contact with anyone, right? Which is also awesome. Great, yeah, yeah, I think it's great. Um... <laughs> Cool. So I see we're we're coming up a little bit on time. Just a couple of quick, quick, last few things. I mean, I know you do martial arts as well. You, right. Right. What kind of martial yeah. arts do you do?
1: Kung Fu, Kung Fu, Shaolin style Kung Fu. So that's a big deal. I would say that that governs almost all of my belief and life and everything. So when I was six, I started off with Okinawan you Kempo know, karate, but um, but I've always been interested in Shaolin style Kung Fu. So I started off with Shaolin, so Tiger, Snake, j- uh, Dragon, leopard Crane. Cool. Um, so, so do that and then I teach that also to my children as well. And again, the whole point again is like, when it comes to speaking, selling, pitching, talking, everything that you that we're doing, you know, there's a hierarchy and the hierarchy really reflects some Shaolin style Kung Fu, you know what I mean? So it's like, we can hit, but it'd be much better if you could use your mouth before you hit. And that's really why PSP, the public speaking that I do, is really another form of martial arts.
0: Okay, fascinating stuff. Now, in terms of getting hold of you, getting to the PSP system, can you tell us how people who are listening who want to uh, access this system to sign up for your um, talks and your seminars, can you tell us how they, how they can do that? Should they go through the Instagram, through the website? What's the best yeah. way to do that?
1: Yeah, the best way is to find it on Instagram at Pro. That's Pro. That's the best way to do it. You can send me a DM, follow, send me a DM, say, hey, I'm interested in one-on-one coaching or group coaching. Or if you want me to come on public speak to where, wherever you are around the world, doesn't matter. I travel. Um, you can say, "Hey, I'm interested in that?" But the best way is to, to DM. You know, there's a lot of thousands of followers there, but I really respond to DMs, and I'm very much into that. So that's the best way.
0: Awesome. And in terms of a do you have a book out or anything? or you, It sounds like you should write one if you haven't. I know. I know a few people have been
1: asking. I know. I, so I've been asking people like, hmm, what do you think it should be? Because I have a few topics, you know, but I don't want have one yet, but I, I do want to get one out there.
0: Well, I do think that there is definitely scope for a book, just, just thinking off the top of my head, for someone who's able to combine, like we said earlier, that public speaking, which so many people want to learn how to do. And how much, instead of just having, okay, this is just about public speaking, it's, it's, it's kind of a holistic thing where you say, here's the public speaking, here's how to do the technicals, but on top of that, there's this holistic thing, which maybe you can also become a more confident person in other aspects of your life. So I think you should, uh, you know, do something like that. Um, Okay. But anyway, look, I'm sure you you know what you need to do. It's been really <laughs> fascinating talking to you, JB. I know you're a busy man you're de- wheeling and dealing all over Singapore, Israel, all over the world as as we were talking about before that we started. Um, I'm gonna let you go. thank you so much and let's uh, let's keep in touch, JB. thank you. Awesome. thank you so much. I
1: appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for listening guys. I hope you enjoyed that Thanks. Um, I really recommend you check out the next podcast as well. It's going to be a great one. I'm speaking to Tim Frieda. He is a white Wisconsin snake scientist who keeps seven of the world's deadliest snakes in his house. And not only that, he, uh, he also lets them bite him. Okay, yep, you heard that correctly. He keeps taipans. He keeps black mambas, water cobras, monocled cobras. Tim Frieda, he owns these snakes. And uh, yep, he, he, he venomizes as he calls it quite frequently. It's a fascinating story. He has balls of steel. He's definitely the toughest son of a bitch that I've ever spoken to on this podcast, and probably that I've ever spoken to in my life. Um, But he's not completely crazy. There is a method to the madness. Um, It's a fascinating story, so check it out. Thanks again, guys.